Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The Opinion Line, Corks 96FM. Professor Luke O'Neill, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How's it going? Good, and good to talk to you again, Luke. And we are all feeling a little bit flat and a little bit battered at this stage. You wrote a very interesting piece in, in the Sunday Independent, and I was having one of those flat old mornings, and it cheered me up a bit. But what you're saying, we're at a very crucial point now, where the science is good, but the mood is not great, and the government needs to deliver with a plan. Yes, exactly, PJ. I mean, you're right, everybody's a bit flat, aren't we? Because now February is dragging. Groundhog Day is a great thing to talk about later, PJ. I should try and tune in. Because every day is the same for people, isn't it? I mean, you get up in the morning, you go to work even at home, and then you come home again or whatever, you know. But remember, the science just keeps rolling, and, and more and more and more science is being done on this virus. And as you said, I keep an eye on the bit that tells us we're going to get out of it, you know, and it's getting better. And, and, and the, the prediction is, you see, we'll get the counts right down, as you know, and certainly by the end of February, the ship will have definitely turned. Thankfully, you know, and we have less people in hospital, less deaths, than, than mercifully. But the government has to do something. And I say, look, this is what we're going to do after March the 5th, when the, the notional date of reopening or the beginning of reopening. The government is, is obliged to give us all something to look forward to, I feel, and tell us this is what the plan is. And they are trying to do it, to be honest with you, to give them some credit. They're laying it out ahead of us, you know. But, but it's their job really now to say, look, we will not go through another lockdown. This should be the last one. And here are the measures we're going to try to implement to make sure this doesn't happen. Mm. Last night we heard Philip Nolan telling us that the numbers are starting to plateau. And, and they're worried about that because you don't want them to get halfway down and then stop going down. But your column on Sunday said that by the end of February, we will see a very evident pattern. Yeah. Yeah, there's a trend for, and you see these plateaus, but that's because people go into hospital and they're kept in hospital for weeks, you see some people because they're very ill and they take time to discharge. That's why you see kind of a, a plateauing effect, I would say. But then they have to begin to come down because the dreaded or not, the one that says how much is spreading, that's gone right down below one. And that means to stop spreading in the community. And then that translates eventually into less hospitalizations and then less ICU admissions you see. So now it's hard to predict exactly when, and they are a bit cautious. They're, they're trying to say, look, keep at it, is the message, I suppose. Because yeah. we need to keep going. You know, if we keep going, these things will turn even more dramatically. And if we're lucky, PJ, towards the end of February, there'll be very clear evidence that we're going back to the way we should be, really. Mm. Before I get on to the, the subject of vaccines, I want to tease a few things out with you on those numbers. And I've been doing the numbers almost as a feature on the program now for the last six, seven months on a Monday and on a Friday as they relate to Cork yeah. and, and, and dealing with specific meters like the 14-day figure and all of that. Can you explain, Luke, the time lag? Why someone testing positive today is not the same as that number will be in two weeks? Why, why should we watch the numbers and be conscious of a time lag? It's because it's, it's very variable, PJ. So if you're infected today, you won't develop symptoms till day five or seven. And you'll be sick maybe, you know, for three, four or five days, and then you're going to come out of it. That's on average. But some develop symptoms seven days later. Some get very severe on day 12. And then if you're severe, 
and you're hospitalized, you can expect to be in hospital for at least a week, two, three, four weeks. And again, there's a range there. The average ICU stay is a minimum of two weeks, you see. So once someone's in the ICU, they're going to be there for at least two weeks. Some might stretch out to three or four weeks. So that's why there's a bit of a variability, I suppose, in these numbers as they move. And then, but the most important thing is the input. So the number of cases per day, that has to start falling to translate ultimately into, yeah. into less people than us and so on. So it is, it is, um, it, it moves around a little bit. They use the 14 day average because that gives you, that gives you kind of a, a broader snapshot about what's going on as opposed to say every single day. And is that down to the fact that it can take up to 14 days, as it were, to germinate into a full-blown case from the day you're infected? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, somewhere as long as that, you see. But on average, as I say, you begin developing symptoms day three, four, five, six, that kind of range, and they get really severe then. Sometimes they get, people get slightly better, strangely. And yes. suddenly have a relapse. Like a second rush. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that seems to be a, another feature of this damn virus, which you've learned. You know, all the viruses aren't quite like that. Mm. You get sick and then you get better. This one... It kind of fools you. You yeah. feel a bit better, and then two or three days later, people plummet, you see. So, so again, it's something to watch very closely in terms of the course through this. But we know for a mathematical fact, less, less cases will translate into less everything else, which yeah. includes hospitalization and so on. There was, I think it's fair to say, and one of the public health doctors in the west of Ireland was saying it last week, I think her name was Mae Mannix, she was saying that there's a little bit of a health warning on the numbers at the moment, that even though the R is down, like you say, they haven't been testing close contacts, so there could be a lot of cases out there that we haven't counted. That, yeah. that, that puts a bit of a health warning on it all, doesn't it? It does, but you need, common sense tells you nobody's mixing and mingling, let's face it, generally. There might mm. be a small amount of it going on, but it's very minor now, especially compared to what it was at Christmas, obviously, enough. And that means the virus can't spread because it's, as you know, it jumps from me into you. Yep. If I stay away from you, you can't catch it off me. You know, that's the simple rule that we're all following. And the evidence is compelling that... Uh, we're now doing that, you know. Let's, let's move on to, to vaccines because despite the confusion, the news is good. It is. It's getting better. I mean, there's the other great thing. I mean, it's still remarkable, PJ, that we have managed to make all these vaccines that are highly efficacious so quickly and then we can start deploying them. And then you saw on Friday, AstraZeneca was approved. So that's another one that we have. And then two more, Johnson & Johnson and Novavax. Both of those released their data from their trials. And again, remarkable efficacy. I mean, the Novavax one, especially 89% efficacious. Johnson & Johnson was a little bit lower. It was around 66% on average, which, by the way, is still a good number. Mm. Because any, anything over 60 is very good, really. And really? In fact, the FDA in America said at the start of all this, anything over 50 would do them as a, as a way to beat the virus, you see. So, so to see those numbers is extremely encouraging. And will J&J come on stream here? Will Novavax come on stream here? They will. The EU has ordered 400 million doses of J&J, and that's a great vaccine. It's a single shot, so it's not like two shots, which is a bit more involved, obviously, and it keeps in your fridge for three months, a big plus there. Right. Uh, and then and the Novavax, they've ordered 200 million doses. The EU now, I think, has 1.7 billion doses of vaccine ordered from all the various companies, which will vaccinate, you know, five times the number of people in Europe kind of thing. So they're, they're, they're kind of preparing for this. The next question becomes, can we get the vaccines in? And that was the latest yeah. couple of gl- glitches, you see. But, 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 but by God, they, they said, look, we have this amount on order. They're pressing the companies hard. They made AstraZeneca agree to another nine million. You may have seen that yesterday. I so, did. So they're doing their damnedest, basically, to try to make sure we have that supply sorted. 
that whole situation that developed last week with, with AstraZeneca, that, that cut in on the national mood because, you know, we looked at the chart that they gave us and most, yep. of us, most of us will be able to get a jab or at least our first jab by the start of the summer uh, and everyone should be done by, by September. And then AstraZeneca's numbers began to topple. Yeah. Uh, and, and now you're thinking, will it be the end of the year? But are you saying, Luke, that as everyone gets that little rubber stamp, the date that we can all go to the doctor or the chemist and yeah. get jabbed is coming closer? Yeah, it was a shame, AstraZeneca, PJ, because it was a bit of a knock to us, wasn't it? But I knew <laughs> these next two vaccines will be here in short order. So even though AstraZeneca delays it a bit, ultimately we'd have lots of supply. And I also knew it had to be mission one for Brussels to get sorted with AstraZeneca or the other companies. So I would predict once we get to sort of, say, the end of March time, there'll be five vaccines available, and then there shouldn't be any issue at all with supply. So, But you can see people, as, as you were saying earlier, everybody's a bit on edge and a bit anxious. And you yeah. see a headline, you all look at that headline, we're in trouble now, it'll be kicked out even further. But I kind of knew myself that that may be a tiny delay. It certainly was a wake-up call for the EU to keep on these companies and say, look, you've, you've signed the contract. You better deliver the vaccines. So that, that was the good part. But I did, it didn't really knock me back too much. And especially on Friday, I was lifted, usually, PJ, with the uh, EMA approving it. And then the Johnson & Johnson Novavax data coming out, you see. So I knew it's almost like a day-by-day thing, isn't it? I mean, every day we're getting news on these vaccines. It's incredible. Like every morning I wake up and there's three or four more nuggets of information, you see. So that's it is very fantastic. much a work in progress. That's fantastic. But again, we, we, but again, we can be very optimistic that that timeline, I'd say, will be met. You know, the one that the government established, and, and that's the key timeline for us all to look at, because it, it, the other great news this morning, Peter, was Israel, which, mm. as you may know, are well ahead of everybody else almost with the vaccinations. It's working in Israel, the vaccine. There's a guy called Aaron Siegel, who I know personally, he's been monitoring the data. They're getting a 30% decrease in hospitalizations, for instance, already oh, from wow. their vaccination wow. campaign. Now, and, again, they, they, a, and they were in serious trouble six weeks ago, weren't they? They were they one went, of the first it, countries to go back into lockdown. Yeah, big, big trouble. Their case numbers are, are not plateauing necessarily, interestingly. So, But still, there's much less hospitalizations. So that, that vaccine is protecting the over 60s, is what that data looks like. Now, again, it's a work in progress. we got to... Little, little pinch of salt here because they're watching it as it emerges. But there was a great uh, announcement last night from Aaron saying the magic has begun is how he phrased it. Because here we have evidence that the over 60s are being protected, which is what we want you to see. So that's a great sign. When will we know? This is, this is, I suppose, the burning question. I know I asked you this the last time that, that we spoke. That the vaccine, my vaccine, whatever one it is, whether it's J&J, Nova, Pfizer, whatever, yeah. my vaccine in my arm will prevent me getting sick. At what point will we know, Luke, that it yeah. prevents you from getting sick if I meet well, you in the street? That's the next question. We still don't know that one, I must be admitted. We're watching that one. And, and the evidence on the trials didn't examine that strangely. So in other words, they vaccinated people and then didn't take swabs from their noses to see if they're getting infected, you see. And again, I suppose it was because they were looking after one thing there to stop them getting sick. But the trial didn't, trials haven't told us much about that. But guess where it will? It's Israel, because they're measuring everybody. And they're taking samples off vaccinated people to see if it's if a bit of virus will go up their nose or not, you know. And again, two weeks ago, they said there was evidence of a third decrease in spread with the Pfizer vaccine. So that means that's the right direction, you know. So you never know. It could turn out that there will be more and more evidence of a decrease in spread. And the second thing is, PJ, the other vaccines coming along, the newer ones, we're kind of predicting they might work even better mm. in that regard because, because they may get the immune system going in your nose. The, the issue here is, you see, you want the vaccine to work in your lungs to stop you 
having breathing difficulties, but a tiny bit might grow in your nose. And that might then spread to someone else. And of course, if they're not vaccinated, they're going to their lungs and harm them. You know. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so we think some of the ones that are coming down may be protecting in the nose. Certainly, we, we're also of the view that even if you get a bit of virus in your nose and you've got the vaccine, it'll be a much lower dose. Because mm. it'll quench it. Yeah, and you'll, you'll spread less then. If you do infect someone, they'll pick up a much smaller dose. And it's all about dose, remember. Yeah, because so isn't, isn't part of the spread, isn't that down to, well, you get you get the vaccine in the nose and, and it, it has to start growing. If it yeah. doesn't start to grow, yeah. you, you don't get infectious. Precisely. That's exactly it. Exactly. If we've got to stop the vaccine. The vaccine has to do two things. To protect your body from getting really sick. And that means having your immune... It's like the troops. You have troops in your lungs if the, if the virus ends up there. We've got to make sure there's troops in your nose as well. And these vaccines don't bring out that many troops in the nose. So a tiny bit of virus. You know, you've no symptoms because you're not getting sick. You know, very, very limited symptoms. But yet you still might have a tiny bit of virus in your nose. So the advice at the moment is after you're vaccinated, carry on with the usual measures just in case you don't want to go infecting a vulnerable person when you've been vaccinated mm. you see so so for the moment the advice won't change on this one yeah. until we get really clear evidence which of course we're, we're we're looking for very close a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. And you know the way you get two doses or indeed in... With with um, Johnson Johnson, that'll be one dose. But let's we're, we're dealing with two dose vaccines at the moment, and there is a gap yep. between them and all that. About how long do we know after you have both of your jabs? Are is the vaccine fully active? Do we know the act? How long that takes? We do. It's rapid. So by the time you after your second dose, almost within a day, say, you should have a really good immune system then really built. So you've kind of primed your body with the first dose. It's, it's good to go kind of thing. Mm. It's as if you've woken up the troops, say, right? And then the second dose that you give him his gun and then he's off and fighting, you know? So, so it's a bit like that. So, so pretty quickly after that second dose, you will be... And in fact, one fantastic study in Johnson & Johnson, they showed 49 days. Now, it does take time for the immune system to, to learn, you see. Because I go to school, I suppose, in a way. But, but the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, 49 days after... Nobody got sick, nobody got hospitalized, no severe. It was zero in that vaccinated group. Wow. So, so by day 49, the troops are fully armed, if you know what I mean. 
Now, there may be guidelines, maybe give it three or four days after the second dose to be on the safe side, stuff like that, you know, stay with people in nursing homes and so on. But at the moment, as far as I can gather, the evidence would say after day 21, you get your second shot and now you're protected. If I get into my car, Luke, and I drive, now I would be breaking my 5K, but I suppose because it's for work, I could say it's an essential journey. But if I drive down maybe 10K down to Ring of Skiddy and that general area, yep. we've got a massive bank of pharmaceutical industry. Yep. In the, Could we or should we be making and licensing our own supplies here? We could be, and that's being discussed, because remember, all those multinationals, have great factories in Ireland. They're all here, as you may know. And so Ring of Skiddy is a real uh, fantastic place for this industry. So, And some of them make vaccines. And in fact, the Johnson & Johnson plant was on to me. They, they keep sending me little press releases and saying it's going great for us, you know. And then there's a their global company, you know. But they could consider turning some of those places into vaccine manufacturing places. Is like there that. a big turnaround involved there? there is, that's the trouble. So it would take time to respect the place and change all the various things to make this, these specific vaccines. And then that, that would be a cost to the company and so on. It just takes a bit of time, I suppose. But they're saying that the factories they've got will pump out billions of doses eventually, remember. And you may have seen as well, PJ, Sanofi and Novartis are now making the Pfizer vaccine unprecedented collaboration yeah. between companies. They've turned over their factories to, to Pfizer. So I guess stuff for the companies themselves. They may indeed deploy some of those places though down the line if they feel they can ramp up supply obviously the spotlight's on them now saying get as much vaccine made as possible and they're they are doing their best i suppose but you never know the irish the irish plants may be engaged as well yeah. if you had covid already do you do you need to get a vaccine well that's the advice at the moment yeah because because the jury is still slightly out on your risk of reinfection now i must say something that's becoming clearer if you've been infected, there's a really good chance you won't get reinfected. And if you do get reinfected, you have, mild, you have a milder disease because your immune system has been there, you know, to, to fight the first round of infection. So that evidence is getting stronger, but we still don't fully know. There are cases of reinfection for definite. It's just not clear how common that is. The advice right now at this particular moment is anybody who's been infected should get the vaccine just in case they're at risk of reinfection. You might have a situation, PJ, and say, let's say we get to June, July time. Uh, where we're now into the general public, remember, by then, which is tremendous altogether, isn't it? Because we've protected all Brilliant. the vulnerable. Yeah. You might say to people, if you've been infected, maybe wait a few weeks if supply is an issue, because there's a good chance you're protected. You're even less vulnerable than someone who wasn't infected, you know? Mm. So that might be that might happen. There might be a, a guideline there. Now, now, you can get vaccinated if you want, but, but they might say, maybe wait three or four weeks and let other people go first who haven't been infected, you see. So mm. that's a possibility. With, any, with all the great scientists that we have in this country, any, someone is suggesting here, is there a story about an Irish vaccine and that maybe it comes in, in a pill or a sugar drop like the polio one did? I haven't heard that. No, that's news to me. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the Irish labs, like my own, are mainly on the therapeutic side. We're trying to develop treatments for people in hospital as opposed to developing new. Although there is a great expertise in vaccinology. By the way, Anne Moore in UCC, let's give Anne a shout out. Mm. She, she was in the AstraZeneca, in the Oxford group for years. She's a great vaccinologist, you know. And you, you'll find that these scientists are advising some of the companies, PJ, and helping them. Like, I'm advising one or two, and they ask me my opinion on things, you know. So Irish, Irish science is very much active in the area in general. Yeah, so it's it's a lot more positive than I suppose we might think. Looking, looking at the news headlines, you you quoted in the piece in the Independent on Sunday. You, you were talking about having a a Zoom call with a friend in Australia 
to celebrate Australia yeah. Day. We look at Australia, Luke, and we talk to our friends and our cousins and our relatives and friends over in Australia. And we talk to great doctors like Niall Conroy, who've succeeded in doing great yeah. work over there regularly on this program, actually. And then we hear people telling us, oh, we couldn't do that. We couldn't do that here. It's just not possible. Is it? Well, as I put in the piece, I wanted to really ram home the message, Peter, that this zero COVID notion is scientifically sound. In other words, what those scientists are recommending could could really work, you know, because it's worked in Australia, it's worked in New Zealand, it's worked in South Korea. There's loads of examples of a really stringent policy on testing and tracing and, and quarantining and border control works, you see. But the trouble is, as you well know, we've got an open border, haven't we, with the North and with the EU. So I think it has to be some kind of UK, EU-wide policy. There's no point in us kidding ourselves for, say, three more months of this. Uh, remember in Victoria, they had 100 days of it, as you may remember. Yes. And they got rid of it. Of course they did. It was tremendous performance. But if we go to all that effort and this little bit of virus slips in somewhere and then we're, we're back in trouble again, that, t- that effort would have been would be devastated, won't we? Mm. But so, if we could dovetail our own yeah. sort of version of zero COVID using people like, and I quote him here because he's been on with me frequently, Gabriel Scali at this stage, yeah. using that level of expertise in public health and, and Anthony Staines and others and, and working, could we not dovetail yeah. that into a mass vaccination programme? You could, and it's a, it's, a, it's a job for the politicians. Not, I'm not trying to say it's easy for them, but the politicians have to get in a room and sort this out among them. And if we could have a, there's a few suggestions. There's a two-island thing. In other words, Ireland and the UK has, has the exact same travel policies, you see. And then there's an EU-wide thing. There's a more limited one involving Ireland and the border being somehow controlled. But, but these are all political challenges, aren't they? Yeah. Peter? need to get into a room. Right? Yeah, the, another a suggestion uh, that was made was that you could treat the border area as a, as a public health region, work it jointly. Yeah. You could do that, yeah, precisely. There's ways to go about it, and we, we have till the 5th of March, PJ, in my opinion, mm. to get our act together on these questions, because we don't want a, a spike, do we, say, in April, May, June time, that'll be unbearable for us all. So, so it really is about that sort of thing of getting in a room and trying to work. Did you see the Isle of Man is now got oh, yeah. COVID? Oh, yeah. and there's a local, there's a place nearby. Now, it's a bit easier for them, I suppose. But there you have it. Well, they have a population of 85,000 and they were able to lock it down completely. But then they still yep. need supplies coming in and out. So they've had to do a great job there. They do. Yeah. Lastly and briefly, Luke, um, antigen testing. We are doing it now for the hauliers. Yeah. But for some reason that I can't get into my head, Neffet don't seem sold on antigen testing. Again, now there are, the trouble is, you see, the, the evidence was a bit a bit scrappy, shall we say. Some of the kits weren't great, Peter. This is where you spit into a tube, effectively, yourself, you know, and it's like a pregnancy test. Now, when I saw the hauliers do it, I said, why isn't that good enough for our teachers now, or our, in our schools, or in our workplace? Whatever kit those hauliers are using to do this, uh, and whatever methods they're doing, we should be deploying that in lots of places, was my point there. Because even though it's not perfect and there's, there's, imp- there's imprecisions in it it's still another weapon great weapon to use mm. and the other thing that was really striking last week another piece of science that came up if you're a positive in that antigen test that means you're definitely infectious which means you should stay home a pcr test sometimes that's picking up remnants of virus long after you've been infectious and then you're told to stay home you know and you mightn't be infectious at all so, so in other words in, in, in the opinion of the scientists the antigen test is a better predictor of how infectious you are and that's another reason that's interesting, interesting, isn't, isn't it? it? Yeah, because yeah, yeah, it's really good at picking up the live virus 
whereas the PCR test can pick up bits of dead virus, you see. So, so in other words, it's a bit more, it's a bit more predictive. Now, again, you're going to see, you know, false negatives in this here and there. It's not, it's not as, the, the PCR is still the gold standard. That is definitely either positive or negative in terms of, you know, picking up some virus, you know? Right. Whereas the antigen test is a little bit of inaccuracy. But as I say, as soon as I saw the, the lorry drivers doing it routinely. I'm thinking mm. that should be widely right. Plus, it's, it's cheap as chips, isn't it? Very cheap as well. And it's not just me saying this, by the way. I'm picking, picking this up off others. I'd, I'd, love, I'd love the government to go, look, we are now going to introduce antigen testing in our schools initially, maybe. And you could train a teacher, you see, to look after it in a way. Mm. We that had a help, pilot, pilot program up the road from us here in one of our local schools. I don't think it ever went anywhere, but they did it. Yeah. One issue, PJ, was they did a big one in Liverpool. Uh, there's a universal testing, and there was a bit of a problem with it. It wasn't as accurate as they wanted, you know, and the data wasn't great, and that put people off a bit, you know. It's a bit like the masks, to be honest, where there's reluctance initially. The data gets better, and then they say, do it. I think that's what's happening here, and I'm hoping they do it before the 5th of March is my next mm, <laughs> goal. I know. That, once we get to then, you think. Well, you know, finally, to, to just, just to, to summarize, and we've been through a lot, and I thank you for your time, is people are sitting here this morning on the 2nd of February on Groundhog Day, and they're going, please give me something to work towards. There's another month and a bit of it, and we don't even know what they'll do then. Please give me something to work towards. Give me some little bit of a positivity that I can cling to. Will you do that for me, Luke? I will, of course. And I was caught on the hop there last week by the Irish Times, PJ, when they asked me, when are we going to be in the beer gardens? And I said, June, right? So now I think it's not unreasonable because you're outdoors if you're in a beer garden, right? The tables could be distanced. There won't be everybody cramming into a beer garden having great fun, but it's possible we'd be sitting in a beer garden, sipping a beer with a couple of friends, distanced from another table, uh, maybe for an hour. You know, they might restrict the time, but there's something to think about. In other words, in June, if everything goes according to plan, in June, we're going to, be, we're going to see things begin to come back that we want, and there's one example. The second one to look forward to is this, and it's, it's a really important reason. If we vaccinate the people over 70 in care homes, it's only a matter of time before they can come out and visit us. And certainly before we can go in and visit them, because now they're protected. Can you imagine? We've given them a suit of armor now yeah. that gives them 90% protection, which is a great number, by the way. That means they're pretty safe now. We, won't, we, we certainly won't infect them when we visit them, you know, and that's the big goal here. So I'm waiting for that next directive. It has to reach a certain level of protection, of course, initially. And then I'm waiting for the government to go, right, you can bring your dear, dearly beloved out or go in and visit them in a nursing home. And that, that could, if we're lucky... That could be April, you know? Oh, wow. Well, that's something to look forward to. Listen, thanks ever so much, Luke, as always, for your time. Uh, that's Professor Luke O'Neill uh, from Trinity College, Biochemistry and Immunology. Corks 96 FM. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. AdWanted UK is the provider of single-source media data for agencies, media owners, brands, and academic institutions. And thanks to our rebranded news offering, called The Media Leader, we can also lead the way in championing excellence and inclusion in the media industry. To find out more, simply visit the-media-leader.com.
to subscribe to our daily bulletins. The Media Leader from Ad Wanted UK.